Thank you, Natika. Let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Psalms, and we'll be in the 34th Psalm this morning. Psalm 34. How many of you are traveling sometime this week? Lift up your hands. All right. How many of you got family coming in? All right. So we're going to be busy this week, and uh, let's not let the busyness of this week take away from the significance of this week of Thanksgiving. And really, it's my goal to, I hope we can encourage us all today that we don't just live a life of Thanksgiving once a year or through one week of the year, but every day we're living lives of thanksgiving. So I've been praying that the Lord would direct me to a psalm on thanksgiving. And of course, there are many psalms that would fit the bill as praise and thanksgiving is a major theme of this book. Um, But I wanted to, and I feel like the Lord's led us here to Psalm 34 Let's read the first three verses. This will be our text this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I want to borrow those three words out of verse number one, at all times, as our theme or title this morning, at all times. Would you pray with me today? Father, we are grateful for what we've experienced here already. Thank you for a good spirit in your house this morning. Thank you, God, for good singing and worship. And now, Lord, we ask you, God, that you would help us as we look into your word as we consider these thoughts of the psalmist David, and uh, Father, that you would challenge us today. Lord, I pray that you would meet needs that are represented here this morning. And uh, Lord, again, most of all, Lord, that you would be glorified by all that's said and done. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving, I could say pretty confidently, is my favorite holiday. Anybody else with me on this one? I love Thanksgiving. I'll go to the obvious, first of all, although it's not my top reason, but I do love the food at Thanksgiving, amen? And uh, some of you might be more honest and say, it's all about the food with me, Pastor. Uh, You know, there are certain foods we get at Thanksgiving that we don't, you know, they're not on the menu typically throughout the year, and so they're more special and more unique, and I certainly am looking forward to that uh, this week, and... um, We better stop there or we'll get off track. You'll only be thinking about your menus. Ladies will get their grocery list out and make sure they got everything they needed on there. But I also, it seems as the older I get and hopefully the more mature I become, I'm recognizing more and more how blessed I am. God's been good to this guy. He's been very, very good to me. I was thinking about one year ago. Um, a year ago, I'd just come off of losing my mom back in September, and then in October, we bought a house after trying to buy a house for in that crazy market, and 
And so this weekend last year, I had just moved the rest of our stuff and had been going back and forth trying to get one place of living closed and the other place of living open, or at least where you could sleep in a bed and have your clothes that you needed for the next day. You know how those days are. How many of you hate moving? Uh, I tell you, I said, I don't want to do this again for a long, long time. And, uh, and so that's where we were last year on this Sunday. And I remember being exhausted and tired. And there was a lot of us that Rachel and I said, we just want to take the week and just relax and unpack a box a day, you know, and leave the rest for later and, and not be involved and busy with things. But we felt like we needed to go to Tennessee and see Rachel's family and to see Rachel's dad especially. And so we did. We left on that Wednesday. We do our prayer and praise service on Tuesday, which we'll do again. And so we left on Wednesday and got down to Tennessee. And we were um, at her brother's house, and her dad lived about an hour away, and he made his way up that day. And the moment I saw him and heard him, I was grateful we went, because I did not realize how much my father-in-law had declined since the last time we had seen him. He was visibly smaller and more frail. His voice was frail. And uh, just shocked by that, I remember just saying, wow, I can't believe my father-in-law is this bad. And he struggled that those three days that he was there with us, many of the days he'd have to go up to a bedroom and just lay down there. In fact, my wife spent many hours laying on the bed next to her dad, just visiting with him when he couldn't be with the rest of us. But those few hours that he could be downstairs with everybody, I'd watch him in that recliner, and I just would see him look around at his kids and his grandkids and the, the chaos that was going on around as animals and, and kids and adults are just flourishing everywhere, and i just see pride in his heart, see him smiling, and I knew he was happy to be there, and I knew he was happy to be around his family. Of course, we had no idea that just a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving, he would take his last breath. And so that was a real special time for us. And, 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 I, and I, I think I'm realizing more and more what he enjoyed and was enjoying there, just to be around family and loved ones. It really wasn't what was on the menu that day. You know, we could have had some Doritos and dip, and he would have been just as happy uh, to be with his family and his loved ones. And, and I'm getting more and more into that nature and time of my life, grateful for family, grateful for friends, and again, just recognizing how good God is to me. But it shouldn't just be this week or this Thursday. I want to live a life of praise and thanksgiving every day. I want to be grateful for how God is so good to me. Notice from our text here, I'm going to pull out three thoughts. that We should live a life of thanksgiving at all times, verse number one. About all things, verse number two. And with all people, in verse number three. Thanksgiving... I thought had its beginnings back with the pilgrims. That's what they taught me in school. I got to dress up as a pilgrim or an Indian, make turkeys out of my hand, tracing my hand all those weeks, and it went all the way back to the pilgrims, typically, 
But as I was reading, I guess it goes back even farther than that. There are uh, records of people in Newfoundland back in the 1500s, uh, people that had made their journeys over having a time of thanksgiving. But you know, we go back typically in our mind to 1620 and 21. I was reading this, that at that first Thanksgiving when they had uh, a, a plethora of food and they were celebrating together with those that had survived that first year and they had all kinds of food and there was a great celebration, but each plate as they went out that day to their spots, those pilgrims, each plate had five kernels of corn on it as a reminder that just one year before, that was the rationing of food each day, five kernels of corn. It is amazing a difference a year can make, isn't it? A year ago for us was a very difficult time in the carpenter time. Just lost my mom, getting ready to lose my father-in-law. It was a trying, difficult time. Let me say this, although it was a trying and difficult time, God was still good. This year, I don't know personally of any real difficulties in our life. Now, that could change tomorrow. But right now, I think things are pretty good for the carpenters. And God's good. And so these pilgrims were reminded, five kernels of corn last year. In 1789, President George Washington proclaimed that November 26th would be a day of thanks to God. Would you listen to a portion of his recorded words and he made that, as he made that proclamation? He says, Now therefore I do recommend and assign Thursday the 26th day of November next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation and for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable favorable interpositions of his providence which we have experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war for the great decree of tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of our government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed. It's going to have a time of thanksgiving for a time of victory, correct? just victorious in the Revolutionary War, and he wanted a time of thanksgiving. Now, I read this. First time I ever read this. Made me wonder if it was actually true, and I did a few searches, didn't really get any confirmation one way or the other, but King George III, same war, different different outcome. He established a day of thanksgiving after the Revolutionary War, after their defeat by the... 13 colonies, and he proclaimed a day of thanksgiving. His personal chaplain seemed to be at odds over this and scolded him over this proclamation and asked him why he would do such a thing. He asked him, 
if he was wished to give thanks for losing 13 bright jewels from his crown, referring to the colonies. And the king said, no. He said, would you like to give thanks for adding millions of pounds to the national debt? The king replied, no. He said, would you like to give thanks for the tens of thousands of individuals that were lost? And the king said, no, but I would like to give thanks to God that things are not worse. In 1863, in the midst of the great civil war, President Lincoln also urged the nation to have a day of thanksgiving on November 26, 1863. In a time of difficulty, let's be thankful. And then in 1941, just a few weeks after the attacks at Pearl Harbor, President Roosevelt signed the resolution that declared the fourth Thursday of November to be the official Thanksgiving holiday. There are ups and there are downs. But we're always to live a life of thanksgiving. Always to live a life of praise. It's not just when things are good, but certainly at all times, about all things and with all people. Consider our text this morning, the 34th Psalm. It's written by David. Would you notice the superscription right underneath Psalm 34? This is not added by publishers. This is a part of Scripture. It's part of the inspired Word of God. A psalm of David. When he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. We found, find out who wrote this psalm and some of the context of behind this psalm. But let me fill in some of the gaps for you this morning. This is before David has become the king. Uh, but it is since his great defeat of the giant of Gath, Goliath. And after that defeat, David's popularity grows by leaps and bounds. In that time, he becomes a great military leader. He becomes best friends with the king's son, Jonathan. And he actually becomes the husband to the king's daughter. But at the same time, and at this time, he has now become the enemy of the king. He's a vagabond. He's wandering from place to place, from cave to cave. He's hiding in the wilderness. In fact, David is in a place of wilderness, in a cave at the time of Psalm 34. J. Vernon McGee, a commentator, describes the area that David was in. He said even in his day of being and visiting the Holy Lands, he would say this, that it was a dangerous and desolate place. Very few people could survive the, 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 the terrain and the difficulty of that area where David was hiding for his life. David is in a perilous time, running for his life from the king of Israel, Saul. But now he finds himself standing before another king. In fact, you can learn about this or read about this in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 through 15. David is standing before another king, the king of the Philistines. You remember the Philistines. That's the, the nation that Israel has often fought against and that 
the same nation that David went out and fought their giant, went out and fought their champion in a miraculous fashion, no, no doubt guided by God, that stone left his sling and sunk deep into the forehead of the giant. David was able to then go and take the head from this, this one. And so here he is now standing before their king. And what David does according to 1 Samuel 21, he changes his countenance, his demeanor, and he starts to act like a crazy man. The eyes get wide and crazy looking. He starts drooling down on his beard. He starts acting out of character and out of a normalcy. To the point where the Philistines and, and the Abimelech, the king, are just like, get this crazy guy out of here. Get him out of my presence. And David is able to escape in this mirage, in this, this, this secretive way of disguising himself in this fashion. And so he is left there, but he still has no place to go. He still has no home. He's back into the wilderness. He's still a man without a home. He still has an enemy. It's his best friend's father. It's his father-in-law. It's his king is still after him. And so David now writes and pens these words. Certainly not at a high point in his life, but in some of the most darkest days of his life. And he says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. Let me open up that word bless for you a little bit this morning. In fact, I think it was what our choir sang this morning, was it not come bless the Lord? That word bless, we would find the word in its definition and in its, in its roots, we would find the word kneel in it. We would find the word adore or adoration in it. It's the thought of worship. Here David is in a difficult time of his life, no doubt relieved to be delivered from Achish, relieved to be out of the hand of the Philistines, but still back on the run, still an enemy of, of the state of Israel. But he says, I, I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to spend a few moments worshiping my Lord. He goes on. He says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. First he says, I will bless the Lord. Then he says, I will boast in the Lord. Uh, again, this word boast means to shine, to make a show, to brag on. I remember when I was in elementary school, do, we still do, do kids still do show and tell? Is that a thing anymore? I don't ever hear about it necessarily, but... Show and tell. You remember you used to bring in something? Like sometimes you just sneak something out of your parents' house that they had no clue you just took. You know, and, and you went to school with the, the, the family vase or the, your dad's war medals or something, you know. And, and, and you're showing them off in, in third grade and telling all that you think you know about this. I mean, it was something that you would, that you would brag on, something that you would lift up there. And that's what David's saying about the Lord. Not about himself, not about what he just did before the king there. 
He says, I will boast, I shall, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. What God has done for him. Listen, it is all right for you to talk about what God has done for you. It is all right to exalt what God has done for you in your life. He goes on, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Magnify means make big or large. Make much of. Talk much of it. Speak much of it. And then he says, let us exalt his name together. Means to, that word exalt means to raise or lift high. Now, in any other context outside of the Lord, for us to bless, boast, magnify, exalt, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be fitting, would it? We were uh, in our uh, institute class yesterday or the last week, we were talking about about God and about his attributes and, and about our reaction to those attributes. And I reminded the guys, I said, guys, it, it would it'd be embarrassing if this was about, we tried to say this about any person, me or uh, an individual, but God is worthy of all of it. There is never a time where it's wrong that you would exalt him, that you would bless him, that you would boast of him, that you would magnify the Lord. You cannot do it too often. You cannot do it too much. He is worthy of it all. And David, in this difficult time of his life, said, I will bless the Lord. I'll boast of the Lord. I'll magnify him. I will exalt him. Would you not agree with me today, church, that life is all about ups and downs? I mean, we have had some high moments, some wonderful moments. Every one of you right now can go to some times in your life, highlights, a birth of a child or a grandchild, uh, marriage like we saw yesterday, the adoption. What My heart is so blessed. I was so glad to be a part of that, but I was so sorry I couldn't be a part of this yesterday. I mean, just a, an amazing uh, moments, highlights. But those same families will have some low times. Difficulties will come. Tribulations will happen. And through it all, God is good. And so will you join me this week of living a life of praise and thanksgiving at all times about all things with all people. Let me just close with some thoughts about all people. Some of the greatest encouragements we had last year was from church family. When we were going through our low time last year, losing a mom, losing a father-in-law, the difficulties of life, it was a church family that rallied around. It would have been a little card that's sitting on my desk or in my box, and I open it up, just want you to know we're praying for you. We love you. We know you're hurting right now. Those things mean more than you realize during those times, don't they? And so all people, we can be a part. 
Right now we have some families going through some burden times, some difficult times. Church, I may be in an uptime right now, but it's time for me to love on some people. It's time for you to do that as well. And so we can, we can, we can experience these things together. We rejoice with them that rejoice. We weep with them that weep. It's amazing how, as the Lord has worked in this message well before what I knew these last 24 hours would hold, well before those thoughts came to my mind early this morning as I got the news about Jean's mom, and then later, right before church, about Miss Juanita Guerin. And the Lord knew that there are up times and down times. We rejoice, we weep, and say it with me, God is always good. So this week, let's live a life of rejoicing and praise. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? The greatest blessing any of us have ever experienced would be our salvation. Would you agree with me? Us as sinners, sinners that are separated from a holy and a righteous God, and yet God loved this world so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe, put their faith in Him, could be saved. That's the greatest blessing you'll ever experience In fact, I think every believer in here would say with me today that if I never experienced another good thing in my life, never another blessing in my life, His salvation was plenty for us, providing us a home in heaven. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you've never experienced true salvation. And let me say it this way. You are feeling a tug in your heart. Let me remind you, that tug could come from nobody else but God. It's called conviction. It's a sign of his great love for you. And you feel that draw from within. That's something that I could never generate, this church could never generate. That's God that's doing that. And if you're feeling that tug in your heart today, that's God saying, I love you. I want you to be mine Would you surrender? Would you give up and and give yourself to me? Trust me as your Savior? If you're here today and you're feeling that tug, we want to invite you that you would respond today. Come, let us show you from the Scriptures what the Bible says. Let us us present to you the the life-changing gospel. Oh, and I encourage you in just a moment when we have our invitation, would you come today? be our greatest joy to share the life-changing gospel with you. And then to the believers here today, the Lord's touched your heart today. You've reminisced and you've thought about your life and the blessings of it, the ups and the downs. God's been good at all times, in all things, and with all people. Would you trust Him and praise Him even during the difficult times? Lord, I pray that you take this invitation now, Lord. We present it to you and ask you to work in hearts and lives and that you draw people to yourself today, God. Help us to be obedient this morning. 
In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand today? And as the piano begins to play, if the Lord's tugged on your heart today, would you respond? Do what he's asked you to do there at your pew or here at this altar. But let's be obedient to a great and wonderful God that loves you, wants the best for you. Trust him.